When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get into the episode, everyone, I just need to put a quick plug in here. If you like our podcast, if you you know have liked all the 166 episodes before this one, please do us a favor, share it on your story, post a link to your favorite episode using the little link button on Instagram. Shout us out. We truly appreciate it. It really helps us grow and gets the word out about Pop Apologists. So if you do that, we will be forever grateful to you. Follow us on YouTube, follow us on TikTok, and let's get to the episode. Well, 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 good morning, Lauren. Welcome to episode 167. Wow, mm. we've done too many of these. Um, I don't know why I felt the need to say the number, but sometimes it's it's grounding, you know, it, it's validating to know that we've done 167 episodes of Pop Apologists. And there, you are aging us, first of all. How embarrassing. Second of all, yeah, 160, this is our 167th episode. Actually, it's probably more like our 350th episode because we also, everyone, not sure if you've heard about it, but we do a Patreon episode every Friday. So we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> Quite a while, but you know, even the 167th time or whatever 300th time feels like the first time. So never gets old chatting with you. Never gets old. Never. Um, We have big news to share. Yeah, super exciting. Okay, here's the deal, everyone. We're we're really excited because today we are announcing that we are joining a network. We are joining 58 Ember. 58 Ember is a new network, and we are really excited to be partnering with them. Should we share like how this started, Chandler? Yeah, let's just give a, a little bit of a, a background. We were with a previous network a year ago, um, and then we Over decided a year to ago, yeah. part ways. Um, but then 58 Ember approached us, and yeah, Lauren, you can take it from there. Yeah. So basically, we were with the network, and they were great, but we ultimately decided that we wanted to be part of a platform called Red Circle. That's what we moved to because it was a little more self-service. It allowed us to handle our ads in a more efficient way. And it just was a little more seamless, a little more efficient. And so we were with Red Circle. We loved Red Circle. Everything was going along swimmingly. And we didn't think we needed to be with a network at all. But we got approached by 58 Ember by the founders. They're two really, really smart women, Erica and Emily. Um, And they have a whole different approach to podcast networks. And I was very taken with their mission. 
Their mission is to have a podcast network that truly fosters community and mm-hmm. embraces the network and podcast network. And also a network that really focuses on helping creators grow through being strategic, through meaningful brand partnerships. And what I saw in their presentation was something that's really not available in traditional podcast networks right now. Traditional podcast networks, the brass tacks of it is they're really good at monetizing audiences that are already built, but they're not necessarily focused on helping smaller creators build audiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so anyway... There's definitely a white space in the market and 58 Ember is absolutely going to fill it. And so we are really, really honored to be a podcast on their platform and on their network. And we're really excited to join. Yeah. Some exciting updates on the business end of Pop Apologist. But, you know, should we get into why everyone tuned in today for the 167th episode? Should we get to it? Galvanization by the app TikTok. Okay, let me let me start with a small disclosure that I've been making to friends and loved ones recently. I've been saying to people before I see friends or anybody in the group texts, across group texts, hey, for what it's worth, it's okay to mute pop apologists as we begin to go full steam on the social channels because oh, absolutely. I just was like, I just need to put this out there, you know, for anyone who's like who sees me on a frequent basis, like maybe they don't want to also see eight videos from me, you know, every time they open up their phone or from you. No offense to you. Um, so, usually yes, me. you may have noticed that we are now full steam on TikTok, on Instagram. That is because we are trying to grow and wanting to, you know, create that short form content that people are loving these days. So anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have been making that disclosure to friends and family. Like I've said that to multiple people, just like, it's okay if you have to mute me, I would mute me. It's fine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. The fact that we do not want to forever toil away in obscurity should not mean that our friends and family should suffer the wrath of our constant content. Okay. Um, And so I absolutely agree with you. There's something about opening up my TikTok and then seeing your face and hearing a hot take coming from you that has been very hard for me. And I, I'm like, it's funny because I, I love it. I this is something we've been needing to oh, do. Oh, really? Do you? I love it for the business side of things, and I love it mm. for our platform because we really do like have so much good content that like I want to share, you know, in little reels and stuff. But you know, it's been a little bit jarring for me and I've been like, okay, like swipe. (laughs) I can't see Lauren's face every time I open up TikTok, but I love it. And it's very good for us. And we're going to keep chugging forward. Well, the thing that I didn't realize Chandler about TikTok that I'm very excited about. Also, we're on YouTube now, everyone. Full episodes are on video on YouTube every week. If you want to watch mine and Chandler's facial expressions as we are chatting um, and see our fits, you can hit up our YouTube. But here's what I didn't know about TikTok, okay? About the Mm -hmm. app that originated in China, parent company ByteDance, otherwise known more prominently as TikTok. So TikTok... I didn't truly realize how powerful it is as a creator. Meanwhile, I'm on Instagram and I am posting all this content, doing stories. All of it could just be a TikTok reel. And right now our Instagram, love it. I love chatting with people. It's great. But really it's basically talking to the same people over and over. And if for us to have this podcast succeed, we need to reach more people. And 
it's been galvanizing for me as mm-hmm. a human being to see wow. that I can do the same performance art that I'm engaging in. It's certainly a performance. I'm just kidding. Uh, I can do the same shtick and nonsense on TikTok. And TikTok somehow doesn't care that we only have 100 followers or 120 followers. It will, if it sees people liking the video, spin it up to the masses. And that is just not something that's possible on our current platform that we've been using mostly that shall remain nameless. So anyway, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been great. I think yeah, I you've just been doing such a good job. So I just want to say, you know, thank you on the airwaves and publicly declare my thanks. For oh, you. thanks. Can I also say, Chandler, how I, I oh, oh what? Let me continue with my thank you. Okay, actually. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Lauren, I say thank you because I think you are truly very, very good at this type of thing. You I don't want to say you're shameless. But I think you are just better, and we've always known this, you're just better at like hopping on, you know, turning on that front-facing camera, hitting record, and just like killing it. Like it's truly like a talent for like this type of performance. And like I I think without that ability, we would not be where we are. So I just I really think you're meant for this kind of thing. And I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue my journey of getting better at it. Well, that's really nice of you. I mean We were at Blackberry Farm and Courtney was giving me this compliment that I'm very fierce and our dear Mm -hmm. friend Marin was, you know, echoing that sentiment. And I said, it's not that I'm fierce, it's that I love the truth and I want the truth to get to people, you know, with uh, fire in my eyes. And Wyatt patted me on the back, kind of laughed and said, that's part of your delusion, you know, but that's why we love you. (laughs) I love that Lauren has spun this compliment about her performance art into like how she's like Joan of Arc or something like (laughs) It really is part of your delusion. And that's what makes you so great at it. The self-aggrandizement is truly flooring. So thank you, Chandler. I will continue to be a champion of truth on our TikTok and other social platforms. Um, But I want to share with you another reason why I love TikTok, okay? Okay. The people are truly unhinged on TikTok. Yeah, it's true. I didn't realize. I didn't know, Chandler. I thought that it's the same type of conversation happening over there. It's mm-hmm. like Twitter no. degenerates are commenting on TikTok. It is like the worst of YouTube all together. It it's, is 4chan created a social media company. I honestly, yeah, I, I sometimes love just perusing the TikTok comments because it's like from another realm, like where the, it's almost like too insane to even be bots. Yeah, it's it's really good. And it feels like they're not even really connected to like people. They're just like usernames. That's the reason people are posting anonymously. So they're posting what they really think. Mm -hmm. I think that's a Mm -hmm. big part of it. Like a non-culture is bigger on TikTok than it is on Instagram. Right, right, right. Can I just read you a few hilarious unhinged comments that we've received on our video that's going viral? I don't know if it's going viral, but it's really... um, We have one video that's really spun up right now. Anyway... So in the beginning of the video, it's the video where we ask the question, the rhetorical question, how could anyone cheat on someone as beautiful and smart and talented as Natalie Portman? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. A rhetorical question. We go on to illustrate the fact that it has nothing to do with her physical or otherwise attributes. Anyway, that doesn't stop people from jumping down our throats and not watching until the end of the video. Anyway, so to answer that question, here are what a few people say. So a woman named Lumiere says, easy. The fantasy was over once the movie was done. 
Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, cutting. It's kind of beautiful writing. Miss Cat 7767 says, when a man marries a mistress, it creates a vacancy. Oh, gosh. That's, <laughs> that's a that's, that's a Zen koan. Sosh said, okay, and this gives me the chills because I know that some okay. of my people are on TikTok. She says, should have known I'd be the first to leave. Think about the place where you first met me. <laughs> What? I mean, she's quoting. She's quoting the prophet of our time. The prophet of our time. Julius C says, "Beauty is temporary and charm is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised." Okay, I love a little religion. I love a little religion. You love a little religion sprinkled in a little bit of religious self righteousness. You can't get enough. I cannot get enough. So we're going to continue in that vein. Tuan yeah. writes. Solomon had a thousand women and still wasn't satisfied. <laughs> this, this is men. This is men. This is men. I'm getting that tattooed. This is men. I responded to Tuan and I said, you're right, Tuan. Most men need a thousand and one, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I you say so myself. And then Tuan says, men need what Ecclesiastes says in the end. Anyway, there's a cute back and forth if anyone wants to go find it. I don't need to... Cute biblical back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, between me and Tuan where we actually connect and agree. So I'm not going to... I won't, you know, I won't belabor it. I'm sure that made, you know, the Serena Joy in you all tingly. No, literally Tuan and I are like fist bump at the end of the conversation. Like we we get each other. (laughs) Tuan understands. Okay. So a guy named at John Jong says... I, for one, get bored one to two years in, and that's long. Constant change gets my little guy sturdy. Eggplant oh, emoji. <laughs> so sorry, the departure. Yeah. And then finally, someone commented, so she started dating an unavailable man. Now she's surprised he cheated. I guess you can buy a Harvard diploma. So wow. the people on TikTok are unafraid. And yeah, they are. Completely unhinged. And it is my new happy place and home. Okay, great. Congratulations. Enjoy. Thank you. Speaking of unhinged people, can we please, please, Chandler, respond to the accusation that has been leveled at us? I don't know how unhinged this person was. seemed like they were pretty hinged. Um, Yeah. This person actually might be telling exactly the truth, which I want to talk with you about because I don't know if they don't get us or if they get us too much. You know, if they can see very clearly what's happening here. I fear it might be the latter. <laughs> okay, so let's read what we're talking about, Chandler. Yeah, let's read this. This this is a unfortunately a recent review we got from T Kitty H. She left this on June 8th. <laughs> he or she, excuse me. He, One she, star or they. One star. The subject line, holy pick me girl. Pick me girl energy so hard, these girls are desperate. That's it. No, no period. That's it. It's like he, she, or they basically trail off they can't even you know write anything else they're so frustrated yes okay so the last part of that review that these girls are so desperate absolutely correct we are totally desperate we've been doing this thing for three years we're Uh, yeah we're we're working hard 350th episode basically we would really like to grow upon seeing this i was like yeah where's the lie like i (laughs) i I hear you i'm right there with you t kitty 
I guess my question is, though, the thing that is ambiguous for me still um, and why yeah. I will become my own defense attorney in this moment is isn't mm-hmm. a pick me girl. Isn't that a girl who tries to be cool for the guys and is like, I'm into sports. I'm into exertion. I'm into eating tacos. Like isn't it's like guys, I, the girl. girls are dramatic. Yeah, yeah. I Actually, I'm going to read you the Urban Dictionary Pick Me Girl definition. A pick me girl is a girl who seeks male validation by indirectly or directly insinuating that she is not like other girls. Basically, a female version of a simp. Characteristics of a pick me girl. Let's men walk all over her because of her carefree demeanor. I'm just going to stop you right there. You can ask my boyfriend of two (laughs) years if I have ever been carefree. (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) Not once, not a single day have I been carefree unless, you know, I was like, heavily under some type of influence. I invite you all to DM Kagan and ask how chill and carefree I was when I gave him an ultimatum. Okay. Like we're so not that description. That is my (laughs) only line of defense here. Like if that is what this person is calling us, she's giving a review on the wrong podcast. Right. But if pick me girl is a larger symbol, then we're in trouble. I'm like the opposite of a guy's girl. I don't know. I just... I pride myself on not being a guy's girl and being unpalatable to men. We are staunch defenders of zero hobbies, the zero hobby right. lifestyle. Right, right. That's an right. OG pop apologist anthem. So I invite you to search back on our Instagram for the clip. But yeah, Chandler and I have died on the zero hobby hill. And we are absolutely not the girl who doesn't hang with girls or hangs with the guys. Blah. No, thank you. Okay. So anyway, well, um, now that we've taken no responsibility. Desperate? So yes. Forward. Carefree? No. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code popapologist20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. Popapologist20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Okay. So yes, desperate, yes, carefree. Absolutely not. Um, Chandler, so I wanted to, when we were discussing what we were going to 
to chat about today. I wanted yeah. to potentially watch the new episodes of The Kardashians. Yep. Because, you know, that is a font of content that I enjoy turning on. Absolutely. Or it's a opening. Yeah. It's literally like that California aqueduct or whatever. It's just, it's ever flowing. Yes. And as Scandaval has come to a bit of a close, we are not talking about Tom and Ariana on this episode. It's a blessed day, I think, for everyone who doesn't watch Vanderpump Rules. Right. That drama is simmering. We need other people to gossip about. So anyway, I asked you if you wanted to watch the show and please share your response. I said, I'm not watching. And then I said, I don't really want to watch. I kind of drew a line in the sand, you know? And I have expressed this to you before that I've had a fall from grace with the Kardashians. And do you want me to talk about the watershed moment in my life? You know, should we get into that first? Or do you want me to just explain my entire POV now? Um, I want you to explain the watershed moment. Paint a picture for everyone. Let me paint a picture. I've honestly always liked the Kardashians and I've defended them to people who just like blatantly hate them. I think there's definitely a sect of people who just flat out think they are dumb women and don't think that they have hold any value or like have contributed anything. And me, frankly, like I really supported them. And Kim Kardashian was like the only reason why I enjoyed my curves I literally grew up thinking every woman was supposed to look like Marissa Cooper from the OC. Like that was a normal body um, or mm-hmm. that was the ideal body. So, you know, I I like I really appreciated that, you know, what what the Kardashians contributed to, you know, kind of widening, you know, the like widening the plane of desirable bodies, like yeah. opening people up to the idea that, right. yeah, like the Kate Moss frail chic vibe is not the pinnacle of beauty. Absolutely. Exactly. And not to make this all about me, but I've basically had like a sizable butt my entire life. And that's something I've always felt very like ashamed about. And like Kim Kardashian helped me overcome that. And yeah, you know, that is something I will forever thank her for. Um, but I wasn't like blind to the Kardashian machine. I just thought like Chris was a mogul and you know, good for them. Like they should cash in like whatever. But then I think when you told me that the news broke that Ray J said that Chris Kardashian was like heavily involved in the selling of Kim's sex tape like and that it was confirmed that I could not recover from and maybe mm-hmm. that was always something people knew and I just had you know chosen to never really believe it but in that moment I was just like I just felt very gross about it and it just seemed like an extremely dark morally bankrupt move even for them even for people I don't see them as like pillars of virtue but I was like wow even from day one, they've been kind of gross like that. To be honest, another huge part of this is like them lying about plastic surgery. Like I was already mm. kind of like, damn, these people love to lie. Um, mm-hmm. And they love to also, you know, pedal skinny me or flat tummy tea and working out twice a day. But they also get nips and tucks literally everywhere and lie about it. And also, you know, filter and facetune their bodies into oblivion. So I was already kind of like frustrated with that. But basically, that's my uh, that's my notes app reasoning for why I've kind of like fallen away from the Kardashians and why I don't want to watch their show. Yeah, I think that for you, that was a watershed moment where you felt like this was a family that you on some level understood, you Mm -hmm. got them, and then you felt deceived. You felt like 
this family, you were no longer willing to give the benefit of the doubt to. Like, even though you saw their flaws, a lot of them, and you saw, yeah. you know, potentially that they were turning our culture into a more shallow, narcissistic culture mm-hmm. and that they were setting also some unrealistic beauty standards about surgically changed bodies. Um, right. And really bodies that don't exist actually in nature or very extremely rarely. And so anyway, I think that you were willing to look past all of that until you had that moment where you're like, wait, this family will actually make deals with the devil in order to get more money and power and fame. And I don't want to be a part of that. And honestly, like I I think a huge aspect of it was that it was literally so long ago that it was like, it's not like they've just, you know, been completely warped by Hollywood and their life and whatever, whatever. Like that almost is more I hate to say it understandable, but the fact that it was like from day one before they were even famous, they were willing to like sell this tape yeah. just made me feel really dark inside. And I, and I was just kind of like, this is not a mother daughter's, you know, relationship that I actually want to idolize anymore in any way. So I think it might be useful for people that are like nodding along, curious. I don't think that this entire saga has been fully deep dived enough. And so I want to lead everyone through this whole Ray J drama really quick. It's probably going to be like a five minute segment Um, just to give everyone a full picture of what Chandler is exactly talking about. Yeah. And so basically we're going to go through the inception of Kim Kardashian into fame. So Chandler, it's easy to forget what catapulted Kim Kardashian from Paris Hilton's best friend and closet Mm -hmm. organizer, a Marie Kondo before her time, to the woman we know today. Let's remember what kickstarted Kim's career. Kim was working as a stylist for Brandy, Ray J's sister, which is where Kim and Ray J met. They dated from 2003 to 2006. This is Kim is largely in obscurity. She's the girl walking behind Paris Hilton with the Louis Vuitton multicolored bag. Um, Ray J and Kim start dating, and he has referred to her as one of the greatest loves of his life. Um, and in February... 2007, a tape of Kim and Ray J having sex while on vacation in Mexico surfaced and was obtained by Vivid Entertainment. Kim sued the company for $5 million to gain rights to the tape that same year. This tape catapulted Kim into the beginning of who we all know today. It was the inception of the family's billion-dollar empire. This is all alleged, FYI. Kim Kardashian is a public figure that we are making commentary on under our First Amendment rights. And this is all alleged. And we don't know if any of this is actually factual and it all could be made up. (laughs) Okay. According to the TMZ partner, 2fab.com, Ray J and Kim's agreement was that each would receive $400,000 plus 12.5% of the profits of the sale of their sex tape. TMZ stated, we've obtained an email from Vivid Entertainment honcho Steve Hirsch dated May 1st, 2007, in which she informs Kim the tape has made $1,424,636.63 in revenue, including the majority of which... $1.25 million coming from DVD sales. To date, the video has had more than 210 million views online and on DVDs. Kim and Ray J continue allegedly to earn money from the video around $360,000 per year. Okay. So we knew that the video was sold to Vivid Entertainment, but it was all kind of 
other than that, it was the big question. Did Kim release it or did Ray J release it? The official approved narrative, okay, in the mainstream media um, was that Ray J sold it, okay? And in April 2022 episode of The Kardashians, fast forward, let's see, this is from 2000. 7 to 2022, so 15 years later, Kim is worried that there is additional unreleased footage of her and Ray J that could potentially be released on the internet. Kim says in the episode that Kanye has retrieved any footage that Ray J supposedly had. She says he got me all of the sex tapes back. She tells her family he flew home and got the computer. It was on the high drive and he met up with Ray J at the airport and got it all back for me. By the way, Ray J has gone on to have a partner have children, have a whole other life. But he's constantly being pulled back into this narrative, right? That he took advantage of Kim and sold the sex tape and yada, yada, yada. So Ray J responds, rightly so, to defend his honor and says, all of this is a lie, shaking my head. Can't let them do this anymore. So untrue. Apparently, there was no explicit footage that Kanye picked up from a computer. It was footage of Kim and Ray J at a restaurant, nightclub, and nothing sexual or weird. So this is classic Kardashian plot manipulation. Um, In May 2022, Ray J says that Kim has always had the tapes and that Chris was always in control of the release. So this is where we go from, was this tape that Kim sold and was part of to get famous, this is where it gets really icky and where I get the ick and it gets gross. Because in May 2022, Ray J says that Kim has always had the tapes and that Chris was always in control of the release. According to Ray J's interview with the Daily Mail, Ray J said that he was never in possession of the sex tape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a quote from Ray J. I've sat in the shadows for over 14 years allowing the Kardashians to use my name, to abuse my name, to make billions of dollars over a decade and a half, talking about a topic I've never really spoken about. I've never leaked a sex tape in my life. It has never been a leak. I never had a single one at my house. She had them at her house. She's always had all the tapes in a Nike shoebox under her bed. That's how it all came about. Once I pitched the idea to her, just playing around a little bit, that's when she jumped on the idea. Talked to her mom and it was out of my hands from there. As reported by usweekly.com, Ray J accused both Kim and Chris Jenner as the ones who orchestrated the leak of the sex tape. He also revealed alleged DMs between he and Kim that claim that everything shown on the Kardashians regarding the tape was a lie. Usweekly.com published the text from Ray J's Instagram screenshots, which says, so he's texting Kim or DMing Kim. Now I realize this is another promo stunt for you. Unless you reach out to me soon, I'm going to take it to the level where it shows all of what we did, all of the meetings and convos about the plan, date and times of our meetings, and the whole lie you and Chris planned since the beginning. The usweekly.com article continued, Kim allegedly apologized and responded, I completely understand and I appreciate hearing this from you. I want you to know that I wish nothing but the best for you. This has hurt us both in so many ways and I know we are aligned and wanting to move forward with our lives. Thank you for reaching out and my hope is that after next week when everyone sees that the computer was given back to Kanye, that this story will be dead and done. I'm sorry for how this has affected you. That wasn't my intention. Okay. So obviously she's trying to brush it under the rug. That's right, unreal. real. Right. Not directly addressing anything that he's saying. No. Just skirting around the whole thing. Just being like, hush up. This is Mm -hmm. basically shut up. She's just being a politician here. Right. So on September 8th, 2022, Chris 
then goes on James Corden's show and does a segment where she takes a lie detector test. James asks Chris if she helped Kim release her sex tape, and Chris says no, no, and the results say that she's telling the truth. Chris responds, oh, I like that. We cleared that up. All right, so later that month, Ray J fires back. And this is where the real, I think, bomb is dropped and the mic is dropped and suddenly things get a lot more clear. Tom reports that on September 10th, Ray J took to Instagram Live for a 28-minute video saying that he remembered things quite differently. He said that he and Kim had filmed a second sex tape in Santa Barbara as a backup that he said Chris was not only aware of, but she made the decision for them to have a second video for safety just in case. He says, that's my paraphrase, just in case. Mm -hmm. His exact quote is for safety. He says that Chris watched both videos and then told him that they were going to release the first video since it gives Kim a better look than the second video. This is Ray J's quote, but you watched it and made a decision. He said, billboard.com continued. Ray J claims that he has legal documents proving the release of the sex tape was orchestrated by Chris Jenner. Contracts that list three items, Cabo intro, Cabo sex, and Santa Barbara sex. Wow. Ray J has the contents of the contracts other than the title of the three items. Mm. So here's the question. If this is true, how problematic is it that Chris allegedly watched her daughter's sex tape, had her film a second one just in case, watched that, and then brokered a deal where she profited off that deal, allegedly? I mean, problematic is like, doesn't even begin to describe it, in my opinion. It's so dark to me. It's so dark, but I do think this gets at bigger questions, right? And I just want to say, I think that we have entered this new culture where everyone wants to be really sex positive and we want to support people doing all sorts of careers, right? um, right. you know, whether that's on OnlyFans or whatever and selling your body and selling your uh, physicality. We're supposed to all be totally morally neutral to that. So I guess the devil's advocate question is, is, isn't this just really the same thing? Like trying to utilize and maybe would Kris Jenner be looking out for her daughter, trying to get her money and power um, by just releasing this simple video? Like what's different about this and why is it a problem? What's different about this? Because that is a whole other conversation that like I have mixed feelings about, but like I can understand both sides of that that conversation. Yeah. But what was problematic to me and what is really dark about this is that they have profited off the storyline that this was very traumatic for Kim. Mm. And yeah. they have made this to be a very emotional, like they've just sold us a lie that like this was never something that she wanted. And that and we were all made to feel sorry for her and to, you know, believe that this was a really traumatic event in her life that you know she never wanted. And that that's where I feel really lied to. And it's that lie that, in my opinion, invalidates any like sex positive uh, conversation. Mm, okay, gotcha. Okay, I can see that. Their entire empire is built on deceit of the public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's that that's where you really lose trust in these people. And people are, there's, I'm sure there are listeners who are like shaking their head laughing, like you ever trusted these people? And I think there are people who saw through them from the beginning. So I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I also want to say that this really um, sinks into my craws, or I don't know the, the, the phrase, the but this really, was that? you know, it's like, I don't know, there's a phrase, sinks into my craws, gets my, anyway. I don't want to hear about your craws ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <On> this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> I really don't know what that – anyway, someone please DM me what, what I'm trying okay. to say. This really gets me upset because yeah. I will just say publicly that I think it's absolutely wrong to – teach your daughters and help your daughters sell their bodies for money or for power. I think there are things that are more important, more virtuous, more worth chasing after than um, money and power. And I think that resorting to that is a fundamental betrayal of good priorities um, as a mother, which is a steward over your children. Yeah. So I'll Serena Joy all fucking day about that. I mean, I don't, I just, I'll co-sign that even as the- Be so bold police like i'll just fully co-sign that i think it's really dark to see a mother-daughter relationship where this has happened um and where it feels like it goes against biology a little bit exactly and it just feels like that's the role of the mom the mom is supposed to be the one where she is instructing her children about what actually matters in life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she's the one that's supposed to be like you know helping when her daughters get bad ideas, ideas that they potentially are not wise enough to realize are bad ideas. Right. And so to not right. only, you know, it's, it's giving, you're doing amazing sweetie on her playboy shoot. It's just, there's something about it that doesn't sit well with me. Honestly, like the playboy shoot doesn't even, that is like, I agree. It's, it's a compl- on a different scale. Whatever. It's like, but I think I don't want to stay too long on this conversation, yeah. but I think that this family has manipulated the public into thinking that they're like a real family, you know, who really cares about each other. And I'm not saying they don't care about each other. I just think that they are morally bankrupt completely. And I feel betrayed by that. I absolutely agree. And I think when you make a deal with the devil, you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. And I don't think all prizes are earthly. And I think that it will be interesting to watch as fate unfolds for these people i do want to talk about kanye's birthday party though that's what i want to get to next okay yeah let's get to that next and then we can move on from the kardashians lauren as we made our descent into new york you know from our beloved guana island trip Mm. i got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food like my Mm. clean simple eats protein powder yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got a vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimbleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimbleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app. 
All right, so this is according to page six. Kanye West's 46th birthday featured plenty of bizarre antics, including the eyebrow-raising decision to serve sushi and sashimi on nude women's bodies. The disgraced Yeezy designer included the Japanese practice called Neotaimori at his soiree Saturday to the interest of the celebrity attendees, including his nine-year-old daughter, North. Social media users, however, believe the act to be misogynistic. So these are some quotes from social media. Treating a human woman like a plate is kind of misogynistic, big dog, tweeted one person. (laughs) Yeah. In what world is treating women like objects for male consumption literally not misogyny, argued another. WTF, he's getting weirder and weirder each day. Others joked that Sex and the City character Samantha Jones did it first in 2008 in the series' first film. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say about the nude sushi. It is misogynistic. Also, this is not, though, just a Kanye weird thing. I've seen this on Housewives, also on Sex and the City. Like, it's just like a weird rich people thing, like party mm-hmm. trick. But yeah, it's still gross. It's very gross to me that North was there. And I just, uh, I hate even saying this. I don't want to put, I feel guilty putting this energy out into the world, but I just don't know how you can be a normal child with this type of environment. And I, I, I I just feel like that is going to be very damaging to your mentality. I mean, having Kanye as a father is going to be damaging. And that is like really sad. And it just makes me really sad. Kanye is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And the oh, way I, that I think he's he a has... wolf in wolf's clothing. Well, I think yeah, he's a wolf I mean, in he, wolf's clothing. He projects all this talk about Christianity, about yeah. God, right. Oh, right. about virtue. He's all over Kim Kardashian for dressing yeah. too provocatively. And yet he has his now wife basically naked walking around. Like she's mm-hmm. literally wearing almost no clothes in public and wearing, I think, clothing that communicates something really dark. I think Kanye West is very dark. I was just leave it yeah. there. And I think that the fact that Kim Kardashian – her children are with Kanye West and now her children have to be around this environment. That is mm-hmm. a little bit of fate. Okay. That's, that's a little bit of karma. Excuse me. And it's not good. It's not good at all. I mean, I just think like I'm, I am getting more and more like mom and dad every day, but like, I just, kids should not see women objectified like this at the age of nine and no one should have to see that. You know what I would love to see Lauren? What? I would love to see Kanye throw a party for himself, a 46th birthday at, you know, or maybe for his 47th next year, if he's going to, you know, hear this at an indoor trampoline park. Okay. Okay. I would love to see Kanye throwing his party at, you know, sky high or whatever indoor trampoline park. And, you know, he could make everyone wear the bizarre gay clothing. And then everyone would have to like jump around in latex dresses and suits. That would be funny. Now that's an idea that feels like, okay, Kanye, you did something crazy versus just, you know, a misogynistic sushi party. What happened to Chandler cake and sprinkles? And yeah, jumping around and having fun. What happened to that being a way to celebrate your birthday? I absolutely agree with you. I would love nothing more than um, Kanye West taking over Alexis Bellino's franchise um, Sky High in Lake Forest, California, and absolutely jumping around with all of his architects Mm -hmm. and singing some nice rap songs. Absolutely. I co-signed this vision. The Kardashians fatigue me. So I have a little bit of background on Neo Taimori that I can share with people, or do you want to move on? If it adds context, let's do it. Well, I think it's interesting because we're going to get a lot of comments that are like, you don't understand Japanese culture and you are yeah. just white girls from Orange County who have never, you know, left Laguna Niguel and it's showing. You're not totally so, wrong. So 
I'm just going to share with you the background on Neotaimori and then I want to discuss this as a larger question. So okay. the origin of neotimori, according to Wikipedia, can be traced back to food play um, that was performed during the Edo period. Um, so this is like a period of history in Japan where mm-hmm. sake would be poured into a sex worker's pubic region for drinking purposes. Okay. Fueled by Japan's economic growth in the 1960s, this practice was further evolved by the hot spring bathing industry, where the erotic nature of neotimori was used as an advertising tactic by the hot spring resorts to attract male customers who were on company trips to the region. The neotimori practice dwindled as family and private trips to the destinations became increasingly popular in the 1980s, and it was subsequently adopted by catering and sex establishments as an exotic attraction. Due to the lack of primary sources, the misconception of Neotimori's origin persisted when the practice became internationally known through popular culture. In traditional Neotimori, the model is generally expected to lie still at all times and usually not talk with guests until the event is concluded, even after all food is removed. The sushi is placed on sanitized leaves on the model's body to prevent skin-to-fish contact. Oh, the episode title, Discovered Skin-to-Fish Contact. All right. And on sufficiently flat areas of the body, which the sushi will not roll off of. In the Japanese style, the geisha's body is fully naked except for the traditional footwear and headdress. The Western style is a bit more modest, Chandler, sometimes adding a G-string. Mm-hmm. Neotimori is considered an art form. Usually champagne and sake are served in naked sushi restaurants. Guests must be respectful and observe the strictest decorum. Talking with the models is highly discouraged. Inappropriate gestures or comments are not tolerated. And diners can only pick up sushi with chopsticks, although rules in some restaurants are less strict. For example, in some restaurants, guests can nibble nori rolls off nipples if they choose. Okay. So anyway... The practice has been criticized as being decadent, humiliating, degrading, cruel, antiquated, objectifying, and sexist. Several countries have banned the practice. In 2005, China outlawed neotimori on naked bodies, condemning it due to public health reasons and moral issues. Anyway, I just want to say, this is my point of bringing this up. Yeah. I understand that this is a cultural practice, right? And my personal feeling is that just because something's a cultural practice doesn't mean that it's, you know morally neutral doesn't mean that you can't make an assessment as a human being and decide that this cultural practice is repugnant and disgusting i mean and it's not just in like you know eastern culture like let's talk about polygamy or you know like in biblical times taking multiple wives and all the you know all the jazz if you will (laughs) um so yeah i completely agree it is it is degrading like many antiquated cultural practices it's degrading yeah, it's. I mean, they, there are cultures on this earth right now where women are stoned for committing adultery or for mm-hmm. doing certain things. I don't think we just write that off as, oh, you know, we just don't get what it's like to live in that country. Well, and I don't think people are. It doesn't sound like people are. Um, well, some people are. So some people in, co- in the comments, like on YouTube and stuff, because I was reading Twitter comments about this, they're like, you don't get mm. it. Also, a big argument for is like, listen, like some places in, are so bad that if you can get paid money to lay naked with sushi on you, that is so much better than other jobs available to you. Um, so there is that argument. That is, that's real. And that's very sad. Yeah. And, but I'm, so, and it's, it's not a comment on the woman. It's literally not a comment on the woman at all. Like, or the person, you know, in that position. Like, I feel like I saw this on a, on a Housewives episode. Like it has nothing to do with the person working that job or being in exactly. that. Exactly. It's the person. It's the person the partaking. Practice. 
right, of it. Right. It's the person feeding right. the beast, consuming it, yeah. paying money yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I completely agree with you. Okay. Wow. We got to get off our moral high horses on this podcast. That's for I sure. Know. Okay. Let's talk about Tom Girardi. Some news this week. He has been found mentally fit to stand trial. If you'll remember, Erica Jane was or is on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This is her ex-husband who she's now gotten a divorce from, um, who came under a lot of uh, fire and is in the process of being prosecuted. So maybe, Lauren, if you want to give more context on Tom Girardi. I would love to. So for non-Real Housewives of Beverly Hills viewers or listeners, excuse me, Tom Girardi is a very famous attorney whose notoriety goes well beyond Bravo. Tom Girardi is the actual attorney in the Aaron Brockovich trials. So when Aaron Brockovich, that movie with Julia Roberts, she won Best Actress for the Oscar, and mm-hmm. she played a woman who basically was like the pseudo attorney going after PG&E who had right. poisoned the water of the small town in Central California. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these really kind of down and out people had gotten cancer and it was this horrible situation. So anyway, Tom Girardi was the hero of that story who saw right. Aaron Brockovich as this scrappy woman, gave her a job when she was down on her luck. And then they took on the behemoth of PG&E together um, and delivered the people, you know, their just rewards. Right. So anyway, Tom Girardi was hailed as a hero. He was thought right. to be one of the most successful attorneys of all time. And he was a champion of the people going after evil corporations on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So right. his entire, however, facade and reputation came crumbling down when it was revealed that he was stealing money from his clients. So his clients were not actually getting the settlements that they were owed. He was actually stealing those for company purposes. And this was made even worse by watching Erica Jane, his wife that was 40 years his junior, on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, who led a lifestyle that would be considered beyond lavish and frankly not understandable on an attorney's salary. Multiple private planes, a jet that could get them all the way across the world, a jet for just domestic travel. She had literally sang a song titled, It's Expensive to Be Me. She had a $100,000 Cartier ring. Like she was beyond gauche. Um, and so this really sank into people's craws. I, I don't even know the phrase, but this really got people um, right. when they realized the money she was using to live a lavish and completely unnecessary lifestyle was the stolen funds, allegedly, of actual victims of heinous events and tragedies. Okay, Chandler, I'll let you take it from here. I'll even say, even up until most recently with that Malaysia airline that crashed where all those people died, you know, so tragically. Tom Girardi was the lawyer for all those families. He represented all of them. They did not receive their money. And that is all explored. And I think the Hulu documentary about Tom Girardi. So I think it's the real housewife and the hustler. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this brings us to this week where Tom Girardi has been you know, allegedly suffering from dementia. And this is a storyline that's been purported by Erica on Housewives, by Tom's people, you know, by his family. If everyone will remember the iconic moment where Erica, you know, says Tom's house was broken into and he confronted the burglar and then he had to go have eye surgery. And then my son had to go over and help. And then my son, he rolled his car five times on the way home. Yeah, I'm under a lot of stress. 
you know, there was this whole season where Erica was just talking about trying to keep the train on the tracks while Tom was deteriorating mentally and, you know, her life was falling apart. So As she clung to her jewels, by the right, way. Right. Right. Like she, this woman who is disgusting she, to win. There was like a pair of earrings that she would not let go of that, you know, she refused to basically give to the victim's families. And, you know, in her eyes, it's more complicated than that. But like a $2 million pair not. of earrings, everyone. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not. But yeah, it wasn't like $40 <laughs> TJ Maxx earrings. No. And we've seen Tom on the show and he's old. He's an old guy. So I mm. was fully buying that he had oh, dementia. 100%. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, makes sense. But some have questioned the diagnosis. I'm going to paraphrase from this article. But basically, you know, Girardi was still running his firm and still speaking to clients up until literally the day it all collapsed. He even hosted an education panel. And, you know, the state bar was actually so suspicious that he was faking an illness that it asked the judge in the conservatorship proceedings to order an independent and more thorough mental examination with an agency lawyer, writing that the claim of cognitive problems came, quote, only after Girardi became enmeshed in mounting legal troubles, end quote. So clearly the, you know, the state of California and the justice system was not buying this dementia diagnosis, you know, despite Erica's claims and Tom's claims. Um, I think he lives in a home right now. Yeah, um, he does. For, uh, so anyways, I think it is extremely shocking that he has been found mentally fit to stand trial. Our grandpa had Alzheimer's and dementia. They are two different things. And we saw truly how mentally crippling this diseases and how firsthand how this you know the person you know when in his like later years was gone you know he was really not mentally sound and so I think it's really sick that they have played this up you know the fact that a like (laughs) an independent neuropsychiatrist or neuropsychologist has found him to be mentally fit like you have to be pretty sound to be able to stand trial. And I just I'm so floored that, you know, he is, in fact, mentally sound because he is there have been pictures of him where he's looked, you know, like mm-hmm. he is, you know, on death's door, essentially. And so I just it's it's really shocking to find out it was kind of all an act or at least an act to some degree. Well, I think this guy's a total fraud, obviously. Right. And so it makes sense to me that he would try to feign incompetence and commit further fraud in order to Mm -hmm. avoid being, you know, brought to justice. So it tracks for me. Also, I will say that dementia is so interesting because I just think that it would be exhausting to try to fake that. Yeah. Like, totally. Dementia is so real and it is so strikingly real to to be in front of with when someone yeah. has it the irony for our paternal grandfather who we really didn't know very well growing up he you know didn't have much interest um our real grandfather was our grandmother's second husband um yeah. that was our grandpa but our paternal grandfather um he actually was so crazy his whole personality transformed it to be a nicer person to be a lot right. softer and gentler once yeah. he like lost his real personality mm-hmm. um and he dementia really sunk in for him um and it, right. my point of sharing that is to say that it makes you a different person and i don't think it's something you truly can fake you know yeah. tom jardy is not an oscar winning actor and good luck dude but i'm so happy that he's going to stand trial 
Yeah, I I definitely feel like this is a a win for justice today. I think it Mm -hmm. also definitely blows apart Erica's credibility. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, I think that Erica Jane has been co-signing his diagnosis. And I think that a lot of people gave her the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. even saw her, you know, as she clutched her diamonds, um, not willing to release them so that the value could go to the widows and orphans who were, you know, swindled, um, people kind of gave her the benefit of the doubt and thought this is a woman who's losing everything. She's going from her $13 million house to her $2 million house in, in LA. How oh, sad so for her. A casita. A casita. Her like beautiful dream of a home. Right. <laughs> like that whole situation. Anyway, I just think that now this brings other things to light because she was propping up this narrative in the show allegedly. And it just makes me a little suspicious about a potential co-conspiratorship. Allegedly. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for her (laughs) to say that he has dementia or that he was basically like gone mentally and then to have that called into question and then confirmed, I mean she's a liar. She's a big liar. And like, I definitely wonder if this will play out in the next season. Yeah. I think that, you know, she was really trying to push that narrative on the show Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. these crazy scenes where she would talk about his car accident that happened, where he got a brain injury, just trying to plant the seeds that he could potentially, yes, be demented. Um, And I think that, you know, the truth has a way of showing itself, of revealing itself, Chandler. That's true. It's true. I mean, if I were Erica, I would not continue to to sell his lies. I would get as far away from him as possible. If I truly didn't know anything, I would say, I'm divorcing you. I'm getting as far away from this situation as possible. You think she's, she's still getting money or something? Exactly. I think yeah. allegedly, I think that they set up some sort of situation where she could still be receiving funds. I don't think that her career as a pop star where no. she was it was just losing money is paying for her lifestyle. I also think her $650,000 alleged salary as a Beverly Hills housewife, while that may sound like a lot in California, that's 300 grand after taxes and then trying to live a lifestyle in LA like the one she was right. living, that shit doesn't right. go far, baby. No. no so, no. yeah. I think there's more here than meets the eye. Yeah. Well, then I wonder if she will, you know, go down with him in some way. I I don't think so. I really don't think so. It'll be interesting to see. But Chan, should we leave it there today? Yeah, let's leave it there. All right, Chandler. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Sorry, everyone. It's kind of been a heavy, dark episode. But, you know, sometimes it's important to explore what's really going on around us. If you enjoy Pop Apologists and you enjoy this podcast, we beg of you on bended knee, pick me girls that we are. Please, everyone, share this podcast. Share it on your Instagram stories. Include the link so your followers can tap it and listen. Please share a thoughtful shout out. Leave us a review. Oh my gosh, they make our day. When a review comes in, 
Like I get the chills. I read it. I'm so happy. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on TikTok where I get truly insane and I'm the most unhinged. And with that, we will catch you on Friday on Patreon with our bonus episode where we get even realer than we do here. And we'll chat with you next week, next Wednesday. Love ya. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app.